What is going on, everyone? Welcome back. Back in time. No, welcome back to we Nerd on the Podcast. The podcast you didn't need, but you deserve, and where all levels of nerd are welcome. And we are back. We're back. Yeah. We're making a this podcast. A, we're, we, we took a note after the Capes Crusaders and decided to do one episode every like five months. Wow. Wow. Shots fired. Shots, Shots fired. are fired. But you know what? If you shoot at someone that's not even there, did you really fire? Oh. <laughs> oh. You hear that, Steve? Wow. If shots were um, fired and uh, so no one was with there gun safety, it. yeah, yeah, shots were fired. <laughs> it's true, actually, it's so true. <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway, let's introduce uh, this motley crew. I am Josh. I'm Corey, and I'm Tom. And uh, we have a little. We have some new ways that we like to new things that we like to put in our episodes these days. Like what kind of stuff, Tom? Oh, so before we get the episode started, <laughs> yeah. I, feel, I feel like we're going to introduce the topic first. I mean, they already well, clicked I the feel things. like the dedication is pretty important. That's just, yeah, you know, like, it's really cool. You know, I think, you know, something that we always like to do is always thank the patrons of the show and the Nerd on Nation, all the listeners that have been patiently, you know, always kind of waiting for the next thing that we're going to come out with, whether it's videos or streams or, you know, video essays or even podcasts that we do and even our streams on Mondays. But uh, this episode, we always want to uh, make sure that, you know, these kind of episodes, we want to make sure we dedicate to uh, a particular person. And this episode is dedicated to Bad Reprint. Hey, you get our nerd on. Thank you very much. Yeah, you uh, you know, in a big way. Be yeah. Rad. And, you know, we always want to make sure that we're recognizing some of the great, you know, wonderful, beautiful members of our Discord, as well as part of our like nerd on family, you know, who kind of make sure that like, our community stays as open and com uh, conversational. Um, even sometimes when conversations get a little dicey, you know, no one should be afraid to kind of like voice their opinions. And as long as we keep it in a safe kind of like open conversational way. So yeah. Uh, you, bad, reprint. Uh, bad reprint to me is always be rad. And I always want to, uh, always shows up, always shows up. And I love that. It makes it a point to show be up. Be rad all the time. Be rad all the time. But Ain't no stopping him. So we're we're making an episode, and the topic today is is an exciting topic, actually for me anyway. Uh, I don't know about these guys, but uh, we're talking about why faithful adaptations either work or don't don't work. Don't work. They don't work. They don't. Like some don't. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, just like what I just did, they just don't. Um, yeah. So I mean, how do we want to? How do we want to start? I feel like because when we started... well, I mean, I think we can you know expand on the topic just a little bit. So we're talking we're talking books to film, we're talking video games to TV, we're talking even maybe maybe even film to TV, which I've seen, uh, or book to film to TV. Like I, I want to talk about every aspect we got covered because I got a little bit of, a little bit of everything. Yeah, as, as and I'll make a quick disclaimer: we're going to talk about as many aspects that we want to talk about that we love obviously there's probably another podcast or a youtube channel whatever that will talk about some adaptations that we aren't going to talk about you know we we talk about the things that we love that's exactly how we do in the nerd on style yeah. um so you know obviously we're gonna talk about some nerdy things some things in the pop culture if you think we missed something please let us know and then you know we might revisit this kind of topic and kind of give our thoughts about that stuff if you're into that stuff um but yeah you know i mean this uh topic really comes in hand because of the conversation of do they or don't they work or do they or don't aren't they successful kind Why? of like is it you know you have things such as like 
you know, the Sonic movie, right? Like when we first started being teased out, and the character we're living models, in an, an age where there are a lot more um, often. Adaptations. Oh yes, adaptations are having happening a lot more often than they used to be. Like now, it's yeah. like okay, now we have video game, and I mean, it's mainly I feel like modern day it's a lot of video game related like when i started looking even just doing some current research i'm like wow there are a lot of video game that are uh, adaptations that are coming up that even mm-hmm. have it like i'm yep. just like whoa i didn't even know news i game. mean yeah <laughs> for the most part it was definitely a lot of just novels and then you know kind of during our childhood you know for the host here we started seeing a lot of like comic books and uh you know we still saw some epic books being adapted but now we're seeing a lot of the video games and we're seeing a lot of like animes and now like uh graphic novels becoming you know the oh, forefront yeah. the gold mine of this adaptation age and you know just to give you all like a a palette and an idea you know we're looking at things like x-men and with like the you know they all wore leather and now we got to see with the last few x-men that came out like they were actually wearing the yellow suits so it's like that you know evolution in um our Makes audience sense. Yeah, and and how we're willing to see those adaptations work and be changed and subverted and deconstructed. You know, you have The Dark Knight, which isn't like any comic book ever. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, so uh, we're here to talk about all of them. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think uh, we kind of go round table, round robin of kind of think about what are our ideas. Like, do you think there is a level of like, it's too close to the source material that it doesn't feel like, why was there a reason, you know? I always complain about like the Lion King, you know, mm-hmm. animated film, and then the John Favreau quote unquote uh, live action, where it's like, why did we make this versus like Mulan, and then the live action Mulan, where there's like none of the story. So like, what works, what doesn't work, and then you know why we like those things for us. Mm-hmm. Corey, yeah, what, what would you thought? I think there's definitely a. a I want to see have a meeting, but I do think it's based by. Base, base, base by base, 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 case by case. Thank you. Case by case. (laughs) Oh, and also ace of base. Ace of base, base by case, case of case basis. And uh, you know, because there are there are some that are there are some adaptations, especially from book to film, that are extremely uh, uh, accurate that that work. Um, The one I can think of is uh, High Fidelity. I don't know if you guys have ever read the book or have seen the movie. Uh, I think there was a quote doing some research for this 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 episode. There was a quote by the author uh, who talked about the movie. Uh, all they did was change the location and the main character's name. They changed it from London to Chicago. It's a British novel. Change it from London to Chicago, and they changed the name of the main character. That's it. Everything else is the same. And the director, or sorry, the writer rather, said uh, it was great. It seems to be a film in which John Cusack reads excerpts from my book. Uh, and that movie slaps. Like, I don't know if you guys have watched it recently, oh, but that's a fantastic recently. movie. Yeah. Uh, and so there's a case there where like a faithful adaptation did it justice. But I think that also depends on like, I always think of, uh, and Tom, I think I've said this to you multiple times about when people talk about uh, Peter Jackson adapting some of the Lord of the Rings things and why some battles were excluded here and there or why some things were cut I'm for the deal. theatrical versions. And, you know, Ian McKellen was like, well, look, it's a thousand page book and you can have a sentence that says an army marches onto a field, but you need about five minutes of screen time to show an army marching onto a field. Um, so we have to make certain sacrifices if that's what we want to show. 
uh, and I so that's that's where that like you know case by case basis comes in for me. Yes, Josh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I mean, prepping for the show, it's like I it sometimes when adaptations happen, it's it's hard to have a dog in the fight when you don't know the source material. So I can only judge it based on movies or, and I think you know, Corey nails it right. Right, that is the the argument is that it is a case by case because I can think of some incredible adaptations where I do know the source material. And then you see the movie and the computer just made a sound. So, hi, everybody. You heard the music uh, from the computer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can also, of course, I can uh, think of adaptations that you're like, ooh. ooh. Whoops. Whoopsie. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, 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 it's hard, too, because when you have a fan base of, let's say, the... Um, the source material, it can be dangerous, uh, I think, with adaptations, especially, um, I mean, things that come to mind are like comic books, like you mentioned, um, even like a book series like uh, Harry Potter, Dune, mm-hmm. these things that already have a legacy. And and yes, I know that Dune was made in the 70s, 80s, and it, even that has, fi- that that film has fans, but still it's like now they're really like, they're creating this cinematic I mean, it's, it's crazy, but it's in video games like The Last of Us, um, even Sonic. Like, I know that Sonic has a fan base of loyal, loyal fans. And so it's, it, it's always an interesting aspect of adaptations that it does come with. No matter what, it's going to come with like a little fire underneath it. That yeah. it, it could... It could be the the perfect soup that everybody wants, or it could just be bad. And I mean, I think there's a there's a cool thing you talked about. It's like everyone who you know, I I I've said this a lot time too, where it's like no one goes. I think I'd like to think, and I I, I want I want to keep this as a, a truth in my mind. But I don't think anyone dedicates several months out of the year for their life to like make something bad, no. whether they're like trying to phone it or not. But like they're not trying to make it. Any, like, well, the garbage. producers. Uh, <laughs> tried to make a show that was bad to make money, Tom. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that uh, is true. That is a an adaptation of something that shows that <laughs> I'm full of shit. But um, no, I, I think of something in particular was um, the Dungeons and Dragons movie, mm. um, because there had been a Dungeons and Dragons film before, and you know, as much as the Wizards of the Coast audience, you know, who've been playing Dungeons and Dragons, who you know like everything that Wizards of the Coast has to offer. You know, it's something to kind of think like, oh, man, I really want to see that, right? Or I really want this to be successful or just to kind of like... What an interesting adaptation concept. What I I mean is it's not even like, so yes, there are books of Dungeons and Dragons, but it's more of like this, I don't even want to call it a concept, but kind of, it's like a very, very large world concept that people have so much room to play and to, and then to make a very specific basically one shot story uh mm-hmm. for the film it's just i don't know you you brought that up and i was like that's such an interesting no yeah like, it, example it, it, of an ad it is an adaptation i mean if yeah, yeah. and, and it, it's it's an adaptation it's like close to like a based off right because i'm yeah. not going to go into the like the rabbit hole of like the based on a story movie. or <laughs> the battle, i was part of the battleship movie where it's like it's based on the oh. it's like, no it's not yeah. um but like um <laughs> it's just using the the tr- the, tr- is, the trailer. Though, what clue the movie oh sure 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 but like 
again, we're doing adaptations not based on a thing. Yeah. Um, So adaptations of these stories that we know, you know, but that being said, like the reason why I bring up Dungeons and Dragons is because there is a, 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 a lively, engaging, and uh, you know, financially independent audience that willing that really can like put their money where their mouth is and be like, we want to come to this. We want to give you our money. We want to buy the product. We want to you know take part in your sales and celebrate this. As long as you kind of like honor what the soul and spirit of this is. Um, whereas uh, if you have things that like kind of feel like you just took the the name by itself, it doesn't feel like. You're really honoring what the adaptation is, because to your he? point, like it's like it's kind of like <laughs> beat me to it, Josh. It's kind of like to your point. I mean, like you ever think like you know? I saw a meme recently where it was just like, if you ever feel bad, just realize Dragon Ball Evolution exists. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's and the unfortunate thing is that um, James Marsterson, who uh, plays Spike and Buffy, voices uh, Dresden in the Dresden Files audiobooks. Mm-hmm. He loves the Dragon Ball Z like stories and franchise. And like he put a lot of his own money to produce that. And, you know, I can only imagine because the, the, what we're talking about is that audience had to evolve and had to grow um, to kind of Evolution. really accept it because Dragon Ball <laughs> Z. Uh, and how, like, how like a massive audience could really adopt what a Dragon Ball Z is, right? Like, Guys with spiky hair yelling, who are actually aliens, who all resent, who couldn't turn into you know great apes during the you know when the full moon's out, and then there's a green guy with tentacle you know coming out of his head. So it, 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 it's interesting where like how adaptations get changed, how people are willing to adopt new and quote unquote radical ideas, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I like how you brought up Dune. You know, it's based off the book. You know, I'm even talking about the Alan Smithy, aka David Lynch version of it. And then now we're at a point where like people are just like, well, we've seen Star Wars now. We've seen Star Trek now. We've seen Guardians. We've seen the new like 10 Star Wars now. Now we're ready to see some giant worms and be like completely there. They don't have to explain anything to us. Um, where like old dudes, like there's so much like having like having to explain hand holding the audience, yeah. 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 To make so. sure that they're like, do you get it? Okay. Here's the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and it's 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 with it with adaptations like sometimes like going back to uh, Dungeons and Dragons. You know, Dungeons and Dragons being such a um, a playful space to create your own stories. It's the the energy like you talked about. Just like the 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 the. I saw the movie and it was it was funny. It was wonderful. It was it was a it was a it was, a, it was cool. I enjoyed it and it it gathered just from the sessions that I've been in and talking to friends about Dungeons and Dragons, there's a, there is a silliness to Dungeons Mm -hmm. and Dragons. Yes, there is a seriousness um, at some times, but there is a silliness. There is a playfulness. 100%. They they did that moment where uh, he breaks his concentration while he's casting a spell. Yeah. Which is a mechanic within the game and they do it brilliantly. Yeah. Uh, I won't spoil anything, but if you saw it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, there, there is, I think, um, I like to think, like you said, Tom, I like to think that there is a general forgiveness, um, where an audience can forgive something if a change was made that still, um, honors the source material in some way. Like, I got an example for you Yeah, of, of exactly that. Yeah. Uh, to one where the author said, 
They made my ending better. Uh, mm. Fight Club. Oh yeah. Fight yeah, Club yeah. changed the ending of the book. Um, if I recall correctly, I won't spoil the book, but in the end of the movie, uh, these two characters, ah, whatever, it's been 20 years. Listen, uh, it's been 24 years. I'm sorry to say, spoilers. it's been more than 20 years. Also, everyone yeah. who's listening to this show, look, I'm not here to like hold your hand. <laughs> like, spoilers for Fight Club coming in. Uh, at the end of the movie, uh, Edward Norton blows off a piece of his face, uh, which which kind of brings him present and into reality, thus killing Tyler, Tyler Durden uh, as an embodiment altogether. Uh, in the book, um, if I'm remembering correctly, it's been a while since I read, I believe Ed, Edward Norton's character, the narrator, kills himself to stop everything. Because uh, it's the only way he can think of to, to stop Tyler. Uh, and... Um, that is a an instance of a change where I think it works better on on film. I think in the book that ending's fine, but I think on film, if Edward Norton blew his brains out and died, uh, you'd be like, "What the fuck did I just watch?" Yeah. Uh, but in this case, you get that really cool ending, uh, right? With unless the it's a butterfly and, effect, I just kind of cool. I just right. thought of one that's like it's almost socially accepted, and I almost want to say known, and people are like, "That's just the ending." Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, the way that it yeah. ends on stage is much different than the way that it ends on film, and it's like because of test audience with a film. How, how does it how does it end on stage and how does it end on film? I'm sorry if I remember correct because I've seen it on stage like once. Um, it basically the world ends and Audrey uh -huh. takes over the world. I yeah. please correct. I'll look it up while somebody else is talking, but uh -huh. that's pretty much like it's kind of bleak. In a sense, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a musical. It's, a, it's as bleak as a musical can get. <laughs> but you know, in the in the uh, movie, it's like happily ever after, and it's uh, yeah. so it's you know you have that test audience part of it where like like what you're talking about, um, Corey. It's like not very often do people want to go to a movie and go. Fuck. Yeah, I want to. I want to. <laughs> I want to um, correct my statement before because it didn't feel right being like he didn't die, did he? He didn't. In the book, he wakes up in the hospital and the hospital staff are uh, Project Mayhem members. Uh, uh, and they tell him that the plan is still on and they're expecting Tyler to return any minute. So, uh, which I think is cool. A cool ending for a book, but I think it leaves the... People would think there's a sequel. There's no finality to it. And I think in the film, it works better of, of, of them standing there again against the, the backline of all the buildings exploding. I'm, I'm pretty sure I gave you a comic book, which is a continuation of the book. Yeah, you um, did. This is, the, this is it. The musical ends with the characters all being eaten by the plant and the, the basically the Greek choir, which is the three singers, <laughs> report that the Audrey II's progeny continue to consume... People, the world, the world. Yeah. Hell yeah. So it's like I don't know if people would see. That. Yeah, there's like little changes like that. Now on the on the contrary of that, for uh, and I'll use Fight Club as another example of a change they made that I think was a detriment to the story. But again, maybe it didn't translate the way it did in the book. Um, in the book, the reason Project Mayhem exists and the reason they're blowing up all the credit major credit card buildings. Uh, is not simply because they don't believe capitalism is a functioning uh, thing. That's a whole other conversation we can have another time. Uh, but uh, it's because Marla has debt from mm -hmm. having cancer and chemo and stuff like that. 
and so when he blows up all the credit card buildings, that means her debt is erased and everybody goes back to zero. Uh, they don't include any of that in in the movie. They still have the moment where he comes over and feels for a lump. Nothing. Uh, I don't believe anything comes of it. But yeah, in the book, it's it's for Marla, um, which I think would have been interesting in in the movie. Um, but again, I wasn't there to make it. I don't know why they cut it. Uh, and maybe I could be totally wrong. And they did put it in. They went, well, that didn't work. Um, because I think Marla was an interesting character. Uh, but maybe it was too convoluted already. And maybe they um, needed to focus in on the twist. Uh, I mean, I think... I'm not David Fincher. I wish I was. <laughs> just to um, kind of have a nice like bookend for it is if we want Book to, we can kind of rat- <laughs> we can rattle off some... Uh, adaptations that we don't think that did so well that like weren't super faithful maybe or maybe they're, they're too faithful and it didn't work to their uh, work and then after that we go with some adaptations that like were super faithful and it worked very well or some adaptations that weren't super faithful and worked very well so go, go, we can go into some of the the not so great well I mean we I'll, I'll bring up one that it's like it's I I won't say that I entirely hate it, but it did come up in, in my notes and I know that it's mm-hmm. been mentioned on this show with some vi- not vitriol just some uh, dislike of it, but it some is some qualms. Some qualms. I mean, but it is well, the Hobbit trilogy mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of being like an is it, it my brain having some years away from the trilogy, my brain goes, did you need to adapt it so much to be three movies? I know that it's kind of like a society qualm, a, a zeitgeist qualm to be like, but did it need to be three movie? Like, I think that that's, which I think is, no. is that too adaptive? I, like, is it like, just like, did you over adapt? Like, oh, I'm just well, curious. If I recall correctly, I think Guillermo wanted it to be two. Mm-hmm. It was originally going to be two. And then he dropped out to do Pacific Rim because that mm. was his passion project. And when Peter took charge, which he never wanted to do, and he only had, you know, with, with Lord of the Rings, I believe he had like th- two or three years of prep time. I think he had months of prep time, less than a year of prep time to go in. And the studio is like, by the way, we want a trilogy. So the records I got were flipped. Was oh. that Guillermo was doing two. Percy Jackson was there the entire time as a producer. Peter Jackson was producing. Yeah, Percy. Not Percy, Percy Jackson. Ja- the, the lightning thief. He was there yeah, the entire time. He wanted time. to produce. Obviously, he didn't I, want I to direct, he, though. Because like, when Peter Jackson first yeah. did it, he captured lightning in a bottle. So that's why Percy Jackson was But he there. didn't want to direct. Yeah, he yeah, didn't exactly. want to direct. But, um, yeah, yeah. He was there as a producer, um, but it wasn't until New Line was like, no, yeah, New Line was like, you're going to make it a trilogy. Oh, and so Guillermo then was like, I can't change the script from a two-movie script to a three-movie script. And yeah. that's what made him leave. I see. Um, he never wanted to leave. Um, and uh-huh. so once he left, they're like, okay, well, now we have to find a new director. And then Peter Jackson was like, I can't let anyone else do it if Guillermo was the guy who was going to yeah. do it. And so he kind of like, it wasn't his own landmine that he stepped on, but it was more just like he had to jump on the grenade that was in front of him. Yeah, and so it's it's rough. I, I, it's, it, it's a it, rough if you look at him from the beginning of the oh, yeah. trilogy to the end, it nearly Salt and Peppa. Him. Now yeah. he's I, Santa. I no no ill will towards Peter Jackson for these films, especially knowing he had less than a year of prep to go into a trilogy that was costing a billion dollars or something like that. So, uh, but yeah, to your point, Josh, like no, it didn't need to be three. Well, I mean, should, okay. So I, don't even I, mean that I that's a bad adapt- adaptation. It's like a. It's when we're talking about just a sim- as simple as like, did it work or not? And it's like it's, you know, is that but a, it is a bad adaptation. 
Yeah, you know, I think I think I, I so I recently, you know, they added so much shit. Yeah, I recently went through. I've the, only done like fifty percent of the book in terms of reading, yeah. so it's like no yeah. legless. Yeah, I I, I I I went through the entire book, and the interesting thing is, like, the third movie is like two chapters. Yeah, the entire th- th- final army thing is all just like, no, nah, bro, this is like, and, and Bilbo is so far removed from it. He's like, oh, that's so sad. Everyone's fighting. I'm done with my story. And so it's so interesting because to me, like, na- like I watched the trilogy and then I got to the book like just recently. And so I was like, oh, you know, I, I should I should do it. I should just check it out to see what it's like. And it's one of those. Yeah, absolutely not faithful. And as well as it didn't work out yeah. because like instead of like capturing the soul and the spirit of what the story is supposed to be, you can make it like harrowing and have scary things in there you can have your little cameos if you want to lead it to like lord of the rings sure but you can't kind of derail it so much that it's like remember when this is all just about like these dwarves and and bilbo and then now it's like this white orc dude and these elves chasing around and is it real of course it's real and a weird love story galadriel's there for like with gandalf hanging around it's like you know, and there's a weird had, love story there. So it, it's it's just like a lot of stuff that's like the you know, but why? And that I think is a a interesting Wait, version. Wh- how do you say that, Tom? It's weird. Oh, why? But why? Oh, wow. um, I always think, I think of Ryan Reynolds from um, Harold and Kumar. Harold Kumar. Yeah. Um, I, I if I can throw in my kind of like I think this was a very faithful adaptation, but my God, I I wanted to like throw up after watching this mm-hmm. um and it's not like i don't i love these directors I, I i respect what they were trying to do but holy shit for me it just did not work because like i felt like i was going to die and it's speed racer um, oh. adapting a, a fun like, ass movie though <laughs> uh, a dubbed as dubbed show um you know in that era of animation and then trying to capture that Americanized localization into a, a movie with like after the Matrix budget um, with this star studded cast who's great. And you see some of the like players from V for Vendetta and you're like, cool. But oh my God, like every shot ever <laughs> is like on a green screen and everything has no parallax, but they're still using revolving shots. Like I was like, I'm going to throw up. I'm going like. I was, I took oh, me even just four the nights to, experience. Like it's just, and like, that's how it, but that's how it is in the show. And like, it makes sense. We're like, man, they wanted to do it in the movie to capture what they were doing in the show. Cause like when they're doing super fast, like when they're driving super fast and they have uh, close ups, the background just blurs behind them. But then if in the way they shot it, just they made it so like your eyes can't focus on anything. So your, your eyes are just like hurting from trying to find something to look at and I'm telling you right I've never had a, a visually difficult experience such as that like ever ever maybe if I played a really badly optimized game like The Last of Us I on PC go watch it again. <laughs> like I was like I was I was going like crazy I was like I, can I can I actually watch this or am I gonna throw when did up? you watch I was, it I watched it like a month ago <laughs> and I was like oh man and it, like, it feels bad because I love the Wachowskis and I'm like yeah. I know what they try to do and try to and like they're they're a little bit like what if we do this and it's like that'd be kind of cool it may not be a good movie but it'd be kind of cool and this I'm like all right let's see and then like they the, the things they did I was like no one in the world has ever done this with this kind of movie 
And this movie should kind of prove why you shouldn't because at some point, like I, and then I looked it up, like 60% of audience members all had motion sickness after watching that movie. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, like I kind of have weak baby bitch eyes and I can't see shit that well, but I'm like, my God, this is a lot for me. So, uh, Corey, what do you have a, an adaptation that you felt like that was faithful that, but didn't work out that well. That was faithful. That didn't work out. Uh, or, you know, yeah, I do. I, I still like the movie, but I, it didn't do well. And I, 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 you know, I, I like my unbiased brain is like, I know why I see mm-hmm. why this didn't work as a film. Uh, it's another Chuck Palahniuk book. It's called choke. Hmm. Uh, Great book, by the way. If you're a fan of Fight Club, the book, you should read Choke uh, and watch the movie. You know, it, 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 I'm biased because it's Chuck Palahniuk and it has Sam Rockwell in it. So like, mm-hmm. whatever. I loved it. But um, they kind of ignore the hero's... Uh, the hero? The hero's uh, growth for the sake of like trying to be Fight Club, I think. And trying mm-hmm. to like recapture that feeling of like, look, we're doing a Chuck Palahniuk and for comedy. There's a lot more comedy in the movie than there is in the book. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Choke is a movie about a guy who pretends to choke in restaurants or, or really makes himself choke and then people save him. And he preys upon people's savior complex and that's how he makes money is people send him cards every year with money in them. People uh, like to hang on. The idea is that people latch on to that moment in their lives of them being a hero. He's like, I'm doing a service. I make people feel good. Uh, and yeah, I make money by, by doing it. Um, great book but the movie didn't kind of capture that vibe it didn't capture his kind of like real you know his revelation towards the end of the book um and it didn't there's a lot of flashbacks in the book that you don't quite that didn't quite translate the same way anyway i i wish it worked better because i loved the book but it it was it was it was relatively faithful uh besides the like last act and i think that's why it failed Josh, any adaptations that didn't work out that well, faithful or not too faithful? Uh, I mean, you know, my original point was like, you know, talking about like having a dog in the fight. Like it's for some reason, my mind is blanking on adaptations that I just was like, oh, up in arms about. I mean, there's one that's like, because I read the book that I'm kind of, I, it's not like a, uh, just if, it's like a shake your fist at the sky moment where you're just like world war Z we've talked about it on the show Sure, where it's just Mm -hmm. like, that's another moment where I'm like, "Eh, is that an adaptation? It's not like, it's like final fantasy seven remake. Is it a remake? You're changing things. Like it's, you use the title. Good for you. Mm -hmm. And like, um, you know, I'm, I, I, of course, I listed all the adaptations that I like. I didn't think of mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, if, if I can add one, this is kind of like a gray area because I think everyone on here will probably like it, but then it's very well known that many people kind of are half and half about it is uh, The Watchmen uh, mm-hmm. movie uh, directed by Zack Snyder. Um, whatever edition, whichever edition it is, they're Jesus. all in the middle, very polarized because... You have half an audience who are like, wow, what a crazy cinematic, uh, visual, you know, buffet. very faithful. Yeah. And um, I think the way you see with Watchmen, it's like a lot of people were like, well, we, we wouldn't want the, the line for line, shot for shot remake of what the comics was. 
And, uh, you know, some people will say that it's due to lack of imagination that you're quote unquote, uh, too, uh, subservient to the source material, um, which is very interesting, right? Like, I think it did big enough so where, you know, Zach, Zach Snyder is like a big enough director to where he can work on yeah. anything, you know, he kind of wants to at this point. Uh, but like, you have a lot of hardcore comic book fans who will say like, oh, well, uh, it didn't capture this feeling of, you know, distrust and anxiety in society. And um, much like how uh, Damon Lindelof's follow-up series to the comic book, uh, The Watchmen uh, on HBO, uh, was very much like a sequel to the comic books. And it kind of uh, more in line, so less wor- worried about like the hero aspects and like the the action sequences and stuff like that, but more focused on just like how societal traumas and pains and wounds like kind of permeate through time. Uh, and where the the comic book of the Watchmen, the source for both of those things, uh, do all of it, right? It does both like these are the heroes at this time where like uh, the idea of these old, I forget what kind of comics they were, but you know, like they were based off like pulps. the question and stuff like that. Yeah, pulps. But like there, there's a, a series of comics that like Alan Moore actually like, based them off of. But like uh, it was, it was very much this idea of like oh. how heroism was kind of like going away for like the more noir and dark and gritty stuff um, as time went on, and how like that is a bygone era, and like we're just kind of wrought with like kind of corruption uh, and like cynicism. Uh, so it's 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 interesting, right? So. Um, I think that was just something to, to to mention of like something that's super faithful to the ad, to to the source material yet yeah isn't renownedly beloved well. yeah um I mean I enjoy it and I think most people I talk to enjoy it but like so I felt about choke like it was pretty yeah. faithful they they changed obviously they changed a few things but all in all from adaptation to movie it's one of the more faithful ones I've seen and sometimes it just doesn't hit it doesn't mm-hmm. hit the same as when you're reading it I think that also is like before we move to the next section, I just want to talk about like the the good and the bad of like your own mind. Like when you're reading a book, especially like you definitely put your own you know um, feel on certain words. It's the reason like people have issues with text. Like they're like, I didn't mean that in the you know text is hard to yeah. read emotion sometimes. And I've definitely found myself doing that with a book where then I go see a TV show or a movie that is doing it faithful, but it's like, but that's not how I thought of it. Yeah, in my you have head, a man. You, you imagine. Even like, even if they, because they'll describe something, that's kind of the wonderful thing about books is yes, they're describing it. And some authors are different where they are very descriptive of what a person looks like. And then, oh, he describes rocks and trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, just descriptive of in any, any form, even landscape. And you do, you, your brain uses your experience and you create Mm -hmm. this thing. And then when you see it on screen, you're like, either but that's not my boulder yeah but Mm -hmm. that's not my tree Mm -hmm. but it's right i guess yeah it's there are some adaptations that i think that i if they ever happened i'm i i imagine that i might be in that in that uh yeah that bucket where i i would go what's one uh well i mean I've mentioned on the show, like for uh, Patreon uh, exclusive episodes, like adaptations we'd like to see, like the Red Rising series of books, mm. which I think has been optioned, but I don't know if anything's happening to it. It's, I kind of would, I wouldn't liken it to Dune, uh, not not by any means. It is a it is a sci fi 
it takes place in space. Anyway, there's a lot to it. It's not just like space and whatever. It's just like there's a there's society stuff to it. There's uh, culture, art, and like technology that takes place in it, and just a lot happens. And you're when an adaptation happens, I think for me, there's a little bit of a. There is usually a, a part of me that'll be like, well, you can only do so much. You know, it's like right now on Apple TV Plus, uh, there is Silo and it's based off the Silo series of books. And I read those books and I've been watching it. I really enjoyed the books. And I'm like, I've been thinking about the process of like, man, there's only like eight or 10 episodes and you want to fit a book into a whole season. It's like, there's a lot that happens. You already know. It's a, like, a, but it's also just like, how do they fit into it's, it's like the old peeves kind of quote argument or mm-hmm. conversation about Harry Potter, where it's like, how do you choose what gets cut mm-hmm. for an adaptation and what really is important to move the story along? Like, do we need that side relationship in a, in a way like those kinds of things where it's always do we like, need Tom Bombadil. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to. <laughs> um, before we move on, I just want to make one big mention only because I think if we're doing this episode and people are listening, they're going to have to want to hear us mention it before we talk about all the good stuff that do work, um, even if they're faithful or not, um, oh. is Avatar The Last Airbender movie. Yeah. Um, and how it tries to um, jam pack an entire season's worth of television into one movie. Um, and I, I say to this day, if that movie had not existed, Avatar The Last Airbender would probably be just as big as like Harry Potter. Um, because I think, or if it had just been People successful. associated the franchise with that movie, like not experiencing. Oh, I mean, but kind of saying, I think right now, you know, in, in this day of our Lord, uh, this year, um, <laughs> in a, in a vaccine world, uh, yeah. most people out there who are like quote unquote massive audiences who aren't technically nerds only knew Avatar The Last Airbender as The Last Airbender from M. Night Shyamalan and knew Avatar as Blue People. Um, And even though there was super successful animated series on Nickelodeon, probably one of the greatest like American animated stories of all time, a lot of people didn't get to it until everything shut down and everyone just started Netflixing and watching that show. Um, you know, like we've had a lot of guests on our show who've said that they know about it, they want to get into it, and they wouldn't start it until later on. And they have watched it and they're like, I don't know how the fuck I never watched this shit. And like, that's kind of like the, you know, part and parcel of like too much stuff to watch and too much quote unquote media out there. Yeah. But uh, with, because of that movie, it set back the entire like pro- proliferation of, <laughs> of, uh, of, of, of it. It's uh, a good uh, word. Uh, t- to um, I don't even know what's the right word. Um, but uh, it 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 it, it kind of just set it all back, and so now like almost more than 10, 15 years later, we're finally getting like a live action adaptation for a series on Netflix. Yeah. But even then, the creators aren't even part of that anymore. So like again, it's just interesting to see how how that would have been. But um, now we can move on to like faithful adaptations or things that weren't super faithful to it that really worked and why. Mm-hmm. Uh. Josh, Corey? I mean, Lord of the Rings. (laughs) 
Lord of the Rings is one of those weird ones where at times it's incredibly, incredibly faithful, but other times it's not like with whole character designs. Here's the thing. Gimli, have you guys read the books? No. Gimli is them. not funny mm. at all. Gimli is like this poetic warrior kind of in the mm. books. But I think it works really well in the movies. Uh, and and I was actually just talking to Dana about this the other day. I, it's a really fine line because a lot of the time when you decide this is going to be our comic relief character, first of all, Tom hates them. He's like, he doesn't do shit. But the nice thing they did with Gimli is he's funny, but it didn't take away from his badassery. Like he was on level with Legolas, if not beating Legolas in num- kill counts in every fight. Uh, and it, it, you know, because he was tenacious, it, he was funny and tenacious uh, in a very tenacious way. Um, and I, I, I think it worked, but it's incredibly unfaithful to the books. Like, like you said, Tom, Tom Bombadil is gone. For those of us who have read the book, Tom Bombadil is a wonderful character. Did it add or take away that he wasn't there? N- no. I bring it up because of the meme because everyone sure. cries about Tom Bombadil. And to me, I'm like, Tom who? Look, it, it, he's a fun character. It's supposed to be, I think it's supposed to be Tolkien like writing himself into a book. Uh, and uh, it's an incredibly so Percy fun Jackson theme. could have portrayed him. He's beautiful. Yeah, he's a beautiful character, but he doesn't change. Like it didn't change. Like for me, it didn't change anything. You know what I mean? Uh, but these movies work. Obviously, they're, they're held in, in regards as one of the, the greatest trilogies of all time. Um, and so, you know, especially with getting the extended editions with getting a little more of that adaptation in there. Um, another thing they changed is like in the books, I know we talked about this on our Lord of the Rings episode, but listen now, Frodo's like 50 years old, 56. Like there is a, almost a 20 year gap between when Gandalf's like, chill for a sec. I'm going to go find out about this ring. Keep this safe. Keep it secret. Nearly 20 years goes by. <laughs> And Gandalf shows up. He's like, "Where's the fucking ring? Uh, <laughs> did you say your name in the Goblet of Rings?" I would, uh, I would love to see that version. That's the one I want to see. But like, I think keeping the shorter amount Tarantino's of time, Lord of like, the Rings. Yeah, right. <laughs> it keeps the urgency right of the journey there. That Gandalf comes back like weeks later and is like, "We need to fucking go." Uh, it also, this is kind of vain. I think it also is is. For, for having a younger Frodo, it, it, it allows him to be like um, naive and innocent. And that journey towards the end is, is you know, expounded upon. It's, it's exponential seeing him in the state he is in the end of the books where he doesn't smile like once until he steps on that boat to go to the, the Grey Haven. He's finally like free of the ring. Um, so yeah, I think that's an example of something that's, not faithful in a lot of ways that really worked. I think, you know, it shows that there was a lot of care within like, what's the heart of this story really? And what's important to the adaptations to make sure that we can get that message through the same way. Josh? Mm. I have two, but uh, I'll start with like probably the the top of my, I, I think Jurassic Park is a wonderful uh, it did change some things, um, but I think to this day it's considered uh, just like a, it's like a classic film. It's mm-hmm. um, I got into like actually re- reading Crichton books like over the past couple of years. 
Shout out to and, a Steve's. Yeah, shout mm-hmm. out to a Steve's, exactly. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm going to read the book. And, you know, there, yeah, there's things that are vastly changed. You know, yeah, the whole opening of the second movie is the whole opening of the book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the and, first book. And, you know, it's a lot more science-y in Jurassic, uh, the, the novel. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a lot more, I mean, Jurassic Park, the movie is tame compared to uh, the and book. And funny. And funny, yeah. Compared to the book. Yeah. Alan I mean, Grant's a fucking dick in the book. <laughs> yeah, and so it's it's really... Um, it's really interesting. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think it just kind of like lit the world on fire in terms of an interest in dinosaurs. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, I devoured I the uh, the the rest of like his books on it. And there, he had another book. I forget what it's called. Um, that takes place in kind of the same universe ish, but um, does it though? Josh, you're. Incorrect. It's just a dinosaur book that takes place in the like in the eighteen sixties or something like that. Like the first, like the first uh, oh. dinosaur. Um, uh, what are they called? Paleontologists. Yeah, the, oh, first, yeah. the first people finding bones in uh, Montana and like the. When you look it up, it's fucking interesting. Like baristas. Like, uh, baristas. <laughs> no. Um, they. Uh, there was a whole out like not war, but it was like. They weren't nice to each other when they were trying to find bones in Montana. And like, it was also during like some pretty hardcore times in America. But anyway, uh, yeah. a lot of, a lot of hard R times we saying. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I love Jurassic Park, uh, both. I mean, it's one of those, that, that is one of those adaptations that I think that there's a place in this world for both. Cause the Jurassic Park, the movie, I think though, it's not like, uh, page by page, like correct correct in quotes um it's still a good movie and i think it honors the 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 book i think mm-hmm. um i agree i agree with that i think again it's one of those things where they took care they're like what's the what's the heart what's the message of this and what's going to work on screen and what's yeah. not and they made the well, right choices I, it, it's also kind of an understanding when you do an adaptation you kind of have to know what medium best serves it um, because you know, oh, does yeah. the Hobbit work better as a miniseries or as a two movie thing or a oh, miniseries would have been great? I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, like th- those are the things. It's like concept of like what would. Oh yeah, you know, like, like I yeah, I've I've done a lot of you know writing and uh you know a lot of questions is what yeah uh is Wild. is your story better as a book? Is your story better as a comic? Is your story better as a short film? Or better as a TV series, like you got to know like what your media. Uh, right, that's what I've been told. Fully colored. This would be really good as a coloring book. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I think the one I want to use. So you guys kind of took some like big ones, heartfelt. Um, oh no, ones that you're saying like work. I'm gonna do a meme for the for the for the for the toilet. We're talking about ones that work right now, right? Absolutely, for okay. that work is Resident Evil, the first movie, because that spawned six fucking sequels. And the reason why I say it works is because technically it's more successful than any other adaptation out there for Resident yeah, Evil. Yeah, but Tom, Tom, from a story <laughs> standpoint, it From a works. story standpoint, sure. I could be like fucking the uh, uh, Harry Potter, you know, like, oh, have the Dumbledore doesn't yell at him and Voldemort is supposed to look like a skeleton. <laughs> but, it's, but it's like, 
It's about the three kids. It's about the three fucking kids doing their, you know, thing. Um, or like Prisoner of Azkaban. It's like, he gets the Thunderbolt in the in the middle of the I'm book. I'm just saying the, the notebook. And <laughs> Twilight. Um, so, so, so if you want to have my that is notebook in comparison for story-wise, it's going to be uh, Sam Raimi, to- Tom McGuire, Spider-Man. Um, Two, no, right? No, just the first one. No. Um, oh, organic question. Webs. I want to hone in on organic. Oh, oh what wasn't faithful? Yeah, that in particular, like as a story, as a spirit, Peter Parker is the everybody, right? Like the down on their mm-hmm. luck, nice person, but you wish that they get all the best that they want. But he doesn't like Mary Jane's not part of the picture when he like when you start reading Spider Man. Like that's not a, a thing. Um, she doesn't come until way later on in life. When Green Goblin the- isn't a thing until way later on in life. Like. This movie jam packs, quote unquote, all these things at the beginning because they know, like, what is Peter Parker's Lois Lane? You know, like, mm-hmm. they know MJ is kind of like the bread and butter of the story, what they really need to show. And it's like laced in the like DNA of the, of the f- stories of that, no matter what, his love interest has to be part and parcel with whatever external uh, conflicts he might have. And then, you know, the idea for organic web shooters was something that James Cameron kind of like thought about a lot when he first wanted DiCaprio to be Spider-Man. And, you know, later on in the comic books during the, uh, the event, the other, um, where Peter Parker's mutation, like, uh, evolves even more. They do use organic web shooters. Uh, and in, he actually is much more powerful and it's really cool. Um, but they use that off the, off the bat. And I think it's really smart how they use that later on to show a a fictional genre uh, based uh, ability or supernatural occurrence to reflect uh, something that we all have inside of us, which is doubt and insecurity and depression and anxiety, where you you know the things that you are doing with your life normally you can't really do anymore because you're so conflicted with that. And once you kind of find your like flow or you find your purpose, then those come back to you. So like I think. Uh, those films, I mean, like, we wouldn't get Spider-Verse. We wouldn't get, you know, No Way Home. We wouldn't get, you know, The Amazing Spider-Man without mm-hmm. that. And, you know, you could say the same thing about the X-Men movies, right? Where it's like, those ones I have so many problems with, but, like, you don't get MCU or anything that we have in terms of comic book adaptations without those things. And some of them did very, very good things, and some of them, you know, did not undesirable things. If you watch Spider-Man now, you'd be like, I think Peter Parker's a homophobe. <laughs> like, so you're like, I, we would change that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's it's very interesting uh, to kind of look back and see things and kind of like imagine what things would be like in the future because, you know, we are at this point where, quote unquote, we never had a Peter Parker origin unless you count 30 movies being his origin, his origin. Uh, so, you know, uh, it's interesting. Uh, do you guys have another one before we yeah. wrap up? Do we have a second one? Yeah, yeah go ahead. I have one more. Go ahead, Josh. Oh, okay. Uh, the Martian, uh, Ridley Scott's adaptation of The Martian, uh, the book mm. uh, by Andy Weir. Um, the book is great and the movie is great. And the author has agreed that the movie is great. And, um, you know, with, with a book you have and you have something that takes place, it has a lot of science to it. You know, there's, there's, uh, I really enjoy Andy Weir's uh, writing. I've, I think I've read all of his books. Um, I'd be really excited to see any adaptation of his books, but um, this one has Matt Damon in it and he's stuck on Mars and there's kind of, there's 
a parallel story. Potatoes. Potatoes. Science the shit out of this. Um, I just, I loved the movie um, and I loved the book. So it was just, it was nice to see different things. Um, It was an understandable, the things that happened in the movie were understandable cuts. You know, it's just like, okay, that's, we don't need all that science. We don't need, because sometimes uh, we are well explained, like how things, some things work. Um, okay, Jonathan Hickman. And you're like, oh, okay. Um, it's great from a reading experience. You're like, okay. Uh, but from a movie experience, you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I like that one. But it's good. It's good I, I like it. Um, one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh. It, it's probably in my top 10 favorite movies of all time, at least top 15, maybe. I haven't reassessed that list in a while. Uh, but it's up there. It's, it's one of my favorite movies. And the book, uh, I couldn't finish. I was a little younger. I was in my early 20s. But I should probably try it again. The book, if, uh, the movie, if you've seen it, is is a ton of fun. Jack Nicholson uh, kind of pretends to be crazy, putting in a psych ward. Um, and he meets this uh, ragtag group that he kind of inspires this um, this mental uh, illness hospital to kind of rally and be like, you know, we're there's nothing wrong with us. We're fine. We can all be friends. We're a family here. Uh, just by being, you know, uh, uh, just be, being his hijinksy full self. Um, he lets these people experience life for the first time. He sneaks people into the hospital at the party, and like, um, it's really touching. The book is from the point of view of a character named Chief. Uh, and it's it, it's a little too slow for me. Uh, and it, it it Murphy, which is uh, um, uh, Jack Nicholson's character, is essentially it's all like third person. Everything that happens from the 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 book is is from the point of view of Chief, who is um, mute and and uh, supposed to be deaf, I think, in the book. But uh, I couldn't I couldn't finish it. And so I did some research on it just because I remember that. Uh, and uh, apparently the writer hated the movie for mm. that exact reason. Um, because it was just changed so much. But as someone who attempted to read the book and loves the movie, I do think it was a good change. I think centralizing the movie around Murphy and like the the you know constant battle between him and Nurse Ratchet uh, was a lot more interesting for an audience to watch than experiencing all that from a third party. I can see how that could work better for a book, for sure, but I don't think it works for a movie in that way. Watching all the action from the sidelines instead of being involved in it as the audience. So that's that. That'd be my second choice, I think, because it's a great movie. Josh, you're a second one. Right? He, he did. Oh, you're right. Sorry, my bad. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was hanging on to like, oh, so he had two. He had two. I had to make sure we do two. Yeah. Um, I think for me, uh, man, you guys, you guys went with like so many books. I went with like all the really basic answers. Uh, but like, I'll, I'll, I'll do a book. I'll do uh, Sonic the, the Hedgehog. Nope, not faithful. I'll do pre- super but good movie. Very successful. Uh, very successful, and it works. Uh, I'll do Prestige. Uh, Prestige, Prestige is like my yeah, Prestige is my favorite movie of all time. Uh, if you read the book, it's never even told from their perspectives the main characters it's for uh, alfred borden and robert angier those aren't even the names of those characters uh it, the, the the it's so different um but i think um the soul and the faithfulness that it is done is that 
um, it kind of at the end of it all, it, a lot of people will be like, oh, like your competition and rivalry will be like your downfall. It's more like, oh God, what have I wrought upon myself? Like that's like the true, like if any connective tissue between the two that they do very well of like all these things, all these terrible events that happen are because of you and because of that you wouldn't let go of something. In the book, it's much more the obsession of making something it, it like literally cost this man like his soul and in the movie it's very much that these two men can't let go of this rivalry but also they can't let go of the obsession of being the greatest like uh, uh magician and uh it's they have that same feeling and it's told very similar where it's like you're switching from one perspective to the other um so it does capture it in that sense but uh i think i would be pretty uh, shocked if I met anyone that didn't enjoy the film. Uh, if you've read the book and you like the book, I definitely could see why. It has a much more different feel to it. But, uh, you know, I think... Was that it, something well, that you read, like, afterwards? Like, liking oh, it yeah. so much? That Way like, at, okay, I'm gonna go see what... what I, I just always knew that was, like, based off a novel by Christopher Priest. I'm like, what the fuck? Same with me in One Flew. One Flew yeah. the Cuckoo's Nest, which is probably why it was so hard for me to read, because it's like, this ain't it, bro. Well, the the fun, oh, I mean, the, the thing I, I enjoy about reading it after the words is like, oh, now I have faces and, and voices to kind of put sure. it into. Um, but like, it, it's harder the other way around. It, Wait till the, you see your books, dude. They're crazy. <laughs> I mean, the other <laughs> way around is what I did with Dune. I read the books first and then I watched the movie. And then I was like, oh, I'm, I'm into this shit. But like, uh, yeah, that, that'll be mine. The Prestige. Also not faithful and worked. I mean, both versions are actually not that faithful. Yeah. That's Even I mean. though, like the newest one, I was like, eh, they don't, they do, they do so much to not talk about like what actually spice is and how important that is and like what it does to people. They don't show navigators. They don't really talk about like the world yet. You kind of just like you're just traveling through this world through the eyes of Paul, which is very interesting. But uh, before we get too long in the tooth about it, but that that was that was that was mine. That was, that was good. Our thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey guys, do you feel complete? Yeah. I feel a like also, also, screw X2 for trying to say it was based on God Loves, Man Kills, and it's not. It ain't it. That that's, your, that's, that's your boy, Brian Singer. I love that movie. That's my favorite of the X-Men movie, but man. What a disappointment. I want to hear what the audience, the, all, those who listen, I want to hear what your guys' favorite adaptations, which don't, don't work, yeah. uh, which do work, which ones are super faithful and, and work for you, which ones are... I want to hear someone's that. opinion on uh, Lita. Oh, Battle Angel. I mean, oh, it's very different. It's very different in the book. Because yeah. the book is so much more like this happens than this happens. It's actually how Hellboy, the mo- the new reboot is, where it's like, it feels like all these little stories and then we get to an end point. Mm. That's how the book is. It's very, like, where the movie's like, we're going to tell a, a story that's all connected. Okay. You know, this is a perfect segue to mention some things. Mm. Uh, join the Discord. Mm-hmm. Nerdon.tv backslash Discord. That that has become my favorite way to continue the conversation. I remember a life of pre-Discord uh, for NerdOn, you know, trying to catch up with social media uh, comments and DMs and stuff. And it's it's so cool to have our community. It was your, it was in social Discord. Was a dis- yeah, no, I see where you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the Discord community is pretty amazing, uh, and there's always something going on. And but there, the the point is, is that there is a channel for this show. There's a channel for all our shows. 
there's a movies channel. There's you can talk about anything. There's even a food channel. There's a memes channel. Um, but it's a really cool community. I I dig them a lot. Uh, so do check that out. But also, um, I can't go any episode without mentioning the Nerd on Nation. Uh, nerdon.tv yep. backslash Patreon. Uh, join the community for as little as a dollar. I you get you get access to early access to things that we make, whether it is a, a video essay, whether it is like new content that we're trying out, stuff like that. Uh, I even shared a couple of months ago a, a video that we made for our partners, Focus Right, uh, before it's even it, it even posted. So. Uh, it's a, it's a cool place to be no matter what. It's a great community, and there are channels in our Discord that are private to uh, Nerd On Nation members. But uh, yeah, if you're new to the show, welcome. Glad to have you. Uh, there are a if lot you're more old, episodes. welcome back. And welcome back. Yeah, welcome back to us too, as hosts. <laughs> uh, we do have a plan to make more episodes. Uh, we're all pumped to... Uh, Going to pump you up. Exactly. Come on, Sam. Oh, very good. Come on. Uh, check out our website nerdon.tv it has all of the episodes of all of our shows uh, but yeah that's it take care of yourselves drink water you know the drill as always nerdon nerdon Ending broadcast.